Um, I'm going to read a passage from Daniel. Daniel 7, verses 9 to 14 and verse 27. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. A court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw the night visions, and behold, the clouds of heaven. There came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Amen. Thanks, Leslie. What a what an amazing picture. What an opportunity for us to be witnesses to this event. When the the lamb that was slain comes before the ancient of days and receives his kingdom that will last for all generations, that will have no end. To see the, the final and complete defeat of Satan and all evil. To, to see that purged from our existence uh, for all of eternity. Um, what, a great, what a great day that will be. We are uh, going to continue our series here in John. Um, and, and this passage talks a little bit about uh, that defeat of evil and the ultimate victory of Christ um, uh, over evil and, and in our lives. And uh, it, is, um, it is one of those, uh, one of those pictures that, that gives us great hope. So we are going to be reading from John chapter 12. Um, starting at, well, we're actually, uh, um, Graham last week was, was, uh, preaching from, uh, verse, uh, verses 23 and on and read some of that. But in order for us to go on to verse 27, we need the context of, of, uh, verse 23 and, and, uh, the following there. So we're going to start from, from verse, uh, 23 and, uh, read to the end of, of 36. So that's John chapter 12, verse 23, and it says here, uh, Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves Me, he must follow Me. And where I am, there will My servant be also. If anyone serves Me, the Father will honor him. Now, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was for this purpose that I have come to this hour. So Father, glorify Your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there heard it and said that that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to Myself. He said this to show by what kind of death He was going to die. So the crowd answered Him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk! while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Lord, we thank You for this account of of the life of Jesus, of, of His continued attempts to be able to uh, to reveal the truth to those that were there in Palestine in Jerusalem at at the time of his life father the words that he spoke to those people still ring true into our lives today and the the promises that he made and the the declarations that he had had proclaimed are just as true for us today. And Lord, the warnings that He gives are just as true for us today. Lord, we pray that as we look more closely at this passage, You would speak to our hearts. You would reveal the truths that You want us to know So that we can allow our hearts and our minds to be continually conformed into Your image. And so that we can go from this place proclaiming to a lost and dying world that You are the King. The King who saves. 
who has sacrificed Himself for everyone and is drawing all men to Himself. Oh Lord, so many of those that we know and love are far from You. Train our hearts, train our minds to be effective witness and testimony so that we can see those ones that we love come to You and be transformed by Your saving power. In Jesus' name, Amen. There are a number of things here that kind of have jumped out at me and, and they don't necessarily all fall into one stream of thought. So I'm just going to kind of bounce through this passage and, and highlight some of those things of, of, uh, of what Jesus had said uh, that I think are um, important for us to pick up on. Jesus talks about how this is an hour where the Son of Man is going to be sacrificed, where He will be lifted up, where He will be um, uh, put in the ground so that He can bear much fruit. And He comes to this and He says, verse 27, Now is my soul troubled. And I can understand that. Jesus knew what the road ahead was holding for Him. Jesus knew the, the suffering that He would be experiencing in the, the coming days and the coming weeks. And as that day approached, as that hour was coming closer and closer, you can imagine the weight of all of that on Him. But what does He say? Should I ask the Father to take this away from me? No. This is the purpose for why I have come. Jesus, even though He knew there was going to be great suffering that was coming His way, He recognized that it was for this very purpose that God had placed Him here. And so, instead of asking, Lord, take this away, He said, Lord, Father, be glorified. Glorify Yourself through this. And I just can't help by thinking, what a, what a perfect way of addressing and, and approaching struggles that we face in our lives. Jesus promised His disciples that in this life you will face trouble. That is the one promise that we know for sure everybody is going to experience. Whether it is health concerns, whether it is relationship breakdowns, whether it is financial struggles, whether it is persecution, Whatever it might be for each and every one of us, God knows that we are going to face struggles and problems in our lives. 
And so often we get ourselves all wrapped up in trying to, to flee that, to, to avoid that, to, to create comfort again for ourselves so that we, that we don't have to endure that kind of suffering, that kind of trials and tribulations. But Jesus gives us an example, a model to follow. Rather than trying to remove ourselves from the trouble, from the problems, from the sorrow and pain, how much better to be able to submit? Say, Lord, what are you trying to accomplish in my life through this? What is the way that you are going to glorify your name through the struggles that I'm facing? Knowing that God is in control of all things and there isn't anything that can come to us that is somehow outside of His control, that He hasn't a plan and a purpose to carry us through to glorify Himself. The great promise that we have in Romans 8.28 that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. And so we can be sure that no matter what problems you're facing, no matter what heartache, no matter what struggles you are going through right now, God is using this for your good and for glorifying Himself, proclaiming His truth, His love into this world. And so rather than us spending time asking God, take this away from us, free us from this, and striving so hard to try and minimize the the, the hurt and the pain and the sacrifice in our lives, why not say, Lord, glorify Yourself? Use this pain. Don't waste this. But use this to, to work in my heart, to, to recreate, to refine in me your character that you are trying to bring out. Use this suffering in my life to be able to encourage somebody else. May my perseverance, my patience, my attitude, my continued faithfulness and, 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 and commitment and dedication to following the Lord, would that be an example to somebody else that they would then say, I want that. Graham's story that he told last Sunday, I've heard that before and it just it blows my mind. Telling of the uh, the Ethiopian Christians um, that were captured by ISIS and were lined up there on that beach and given the opportunity to, to recant, to convert to Islam and to turn their back on Jesus Christ and one after another affirming that they would never deny their Lord that there was only one truth that they would cling to. And one after another, they lost their heads as they continued to be faithful to their God. And it came to the last man who was an atheist, who was not a follower of Christ. And he was given the opportunity to convert to Islam. But the testimony of those other eleven men in front of him who had willingly given up their lives to remain fast to their Christ. This man said, I don't know Jesus, but all of these men 
That's the kind of life that I want to live. And so I am choosing to follow Jesus. And he also lost his life. Who knows what your suffering is going to do in the lives of other people? So why would you waste that? Why would you flee from that when God is working through that to glorify Himself? An amazing testimony and example that Jesus gives here. Father, glorify Your name. And God in His goodness, God in His love, knowing the, the, the struggle that His Son is going through, gives Him that affirmation by declaring, I have glorified it. <laughs> have you ever had that? Somebody that you, that you love, somebody that you respect, when they see you doing well in your life and they are able to look at you and say, I am well pleased. I, I have been privileged to have a dad who is a good man, a godly man. Uh, and, and there have been times in my life when I have gone through difficulties uh, when, when there has been something that I have been able to endure through and my father has been there afterwards to say, oh, I am so pleased with you. <laughs> there is nothing so sweet. And that great promise of us having the opportunity of standing in front of our Lord and our God and for Him to be able to look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And God in His love and His mercy for His Son said, I have glorified My name and I will glorify it again. Don't know how, how much of that testimony was intelligible but as 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 Jesus said this wasn't just for him this was also for those around and so we have to understand that likely there was an intelligible voice even though some people said it was just thunder that was going they were denying the clear evidence of God's blessing on this Jesus, on this Son of Man. And they tried to look for some other reason for this voice that boomed out of heaven that declared that God would be glorifying His name through this One and through His sacrifice. So they claimed it must have been thunder. Others tried to explain it away as some other kind of spiritual being like an angel or, or something. Trying to sound a little bit more spiritual but still not willing to acknowledge that this was the voice of God that they had just heard. 
But Jesus then says, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And we look around and we say, then why is there still so much evil? Why do I still struggle so much with with Satan and his temptations in my life? Jesus was declaring that this hour that, had, that He had come for, this hour that, that, that He had, had, had purpose that He was, was dreading, but at the same time knew that God would be using to glorify Himself, that this sacrifice that was coming was going to be the ultimate defeat of evil in this world. That, that it was because of this hour, this time of crucifixion that Jesus was facing, that judgment would come, that, that we would be able to know if we were saved, if we were the children of God, or if we were the enemies of God. That this would be the defining line in all of human history. All that the people of the Old Testament had been looking forward to and all that we now of the church age are looking back to. That that is the moment where judgment occurs. And it is only going to be our response to this hour that Jesus is talking about that will define what our eternal destiny is. And even though Jesus was saying, now is the hour of judgment, we know that, that, that we are living in the already, but the not yet. That yes, the, the judgment has occurred, the, the, the crucifixion of Christ establishes the, the format for our judgment, but the ultimate judgment is still yet to come when we either face Christ at death or we are called up into His presence and the final judgment in front of the the great white throne and those that have followed Christ who have put their trust in Him alone are welcomed into, into His eternal glory and those that have continued to reject that hour will be sent on to eternal destruction. That is the hour. And so we are living in the already, but the not yet. And it's the same with the defeat of the ruler of this world. Yes, it was that moment that established His defeat. And we are living in His defeat already. But the ultimate end, the the not yet, will be that one day He will be completely dealt with but in this time, He still has opportunity to try and destroy as many lives as possible as would follow Him, as would, would choose to reject Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus is identifying that this hour is the now that establishes judgment and it establishes the defeat of evil in this world. But these days are because of His grace. Because of His mercy to allow as many who would come to come and receive Jesus Christ. All who respond to His drawing of people to Himself. So then we get to 
Verse 24. Jesus had just talked about this kind of death, this uh, death that He would be would be experiencing about being lifted up from the earth, and he'd been talking about how the, this hour was the, the time for the Son of Man to to die and then bear fruit. So the crowd answered him and said, "We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man?" Are you kidding me? Are these people so daft that they have missed all of the ways that Jesus has identified Himself as the Son of Man? This was the, the, the favorite title that Jesus used for Himself. Time and time again, He talked about how the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, that the Son of Man has authority over the Sabbath. That, that he, he, he continually come back, came back to this title. How often was that title being used? And they're asking, who is this Son of Man? There are times when He was extremely clear. And if we turn over to John chapter 8, we can see one of the examples where um, He lays it out on the line and there is no doubt who He understands Himself to be, is declaring Himself to be. John chapter 8, verses 25. says, so they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and and much to judge. But he who sent me is true and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. Then we drop down to verse 28. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. It is interesting, as in John, when you read the different references, the different times that Jesus uses that title, Son of Man, how many of them, like this passage, are referring to His death. There are a number of times when Son of Man is described as being lifted up. Uh, there are other times uh, when, when we talk about, when Jesus talks about how the Son of Man will die. We can look at John chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says. No one has ascended into heaven except He who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. John chapter 6, verse 53 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. John chapter, well, we just read that John chapter 8 passage where again it talks about when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am He. So many times Jesus connects that title of the Son of Man to His death and His, his hour where the judgment will occur, will occur and where His defeat of evil will happen. So where does this title, the Son of Man, come from and what does it mean? You can actually tell from, these, uh, from the questions that the people were asking Jesus that they fully understood what the title of Son of Man meant, that that was indeed the claim of the Messiah, the name of the Messiah, and that He was divine. Uh, again, look a little bit more closely at the question. We have heard from the law that the Christ... That's the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah was Christos. And we have just anglicized it into Christ. Uh, but, but it is saying that we have heard from the law that the Messiah remains forever. How can any human remain forever? Only if they are divine. So we have heard that the law from the law that Christ the Messiah remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? You see the way that they connect their understanding of Messiah with the Son of Man. Where does that come from? It comes from Daniel chapter 7. Flip over to Daniel chapter 7. We had uh, um, Leslie uh, read it for us here today. This is Daniel's vision of the Ancient of Days. And we have that first picture of this great throne of the Ancient of Days and, and His clothing as white as snow and the, the fire around Him, the wheels burning fire and the thousands and ten thousands and thousands upon thousands that were uh, uh, gathering around Him in, in judgment. And then we get to uh, verse 13. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, whenever the Old Testament talks about clouds, that is a, a, a reference to the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God. And so I saw with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. So the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, there is nobody that comes in the clouds of heaven except God Himself. And so there's a understanding a connection that this Son of Man is divine. And He came to the Ancient of Days. There is a distinction between God the Father and the Son of Man who was coming in the clouds. So we have a picture of the Trinity here in the Old Testament. And He came to the Ancient of Days and He was presented before Him. And to Him was given dominion and glory, and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages would serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom one that shall ne never not be destroyed. Shall not be destroyed. Sorry about that. Double negative in there. The Jewish people 
having received this prophecy from Daniel, they had long connected this with a picture of the Messiah. The Divine One that would come and set the people of God free. And so this question that they ask here in John about, um, we have heard from the law that the Christ uh, will remain forever. How can you then say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? They understood what Jesus was saying, that the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of Man, would be sacrificed, would be dying. And this was something that they were not willing to look at, even though there were all of the prophecies in the Old Testament that pointed to that. Even the very first prophecy, the the proto-evangelon, the very first good news that we have in the garden, when God describes how one of the seed of man would crush the head of the serpent, but he would be bruised on his heel, that he would be bitten by the serpent on his heel. Already we have a picture of our suffering Savior, the one who would come and set us free, but in order to do so would suffer himself. And then we read through all the rest into Isaiah, the, the, the clear de- uh, de- declaration of the suffering servant as we read it there in the, the latter portion of Isaiah, especially Isaiah 53. So even though there was all those prophecies there uh, that were clearly pointing to the suffering Messiah, these people were unwilling to see that and they only saw Christ the Messiah coming in victory. They, they were refusing to acknowledge that He would also be lifted up. But as Jesus has said, it was for this purpose that He had come. For this purpose to be lifted up, to be sacrificed on behalf of all. And so even as these people are adamantly refusing to see the truth, the promises that God has given them up to this point, that all point to Jesus as being their Messiah, the Son of Man, they still continue to refuse to believe. And so Jesus finishes off this section with a warning. The light is among you. Only for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become Sons of light. Jesus is expressing great concern for these, His people, the Jews, the sons and daughters of Abraham, who were refusing to acknowledge His truth. And He was warning them, I am only here for a little while longer. It is going to be far easier for you to acknowledge who I am to recognize how my life fulfills all of the prophecy of the Old Testament that points to Messiah and all that He would do for us. It will be so much easier for you to believe now while I am here among you. But when I am gone, it is going to be even more difficult for you then to believe. Believe! Walk while you have the light that you may become the sons and daughters of light. 
It was a specific warning to those specific people in that specific time in recognition that that it was going to be easiest to believe while they had Jesus there and they could learn and hear from Him. But it is just as much a warning for people today. There is a limited opportunity for people to come to faith. Don't know what those limits necessarily are. We know from Scripture that as people continually harden their hearts, that there comes a time when God turns them over to the hardness of their heart and there is no longer any opportunity, no longer any work of the Spirit that is going to help draw them to Himself. And so those people that continually receive the light and reject it. There is a limited time offer. There is a shelf life to this promise that God is giving to them. Maybe it's because of the hardness of their heart. Perhaps it might be that they might lose their life prior to when they would think. People who think, oh, there's lots of time to give my life to Jesus. Let me live a little bit longer before I then turn to Him and get my life back in order. Walk while you have the light. There is an ultimate shelf life to the light, to the offer of salvation, and that is the return of Jesus Christ. And people who who continually reject that light and continually turn to the darkness are going to find themselves at the end of days eternally separated from God. Eternally immersed in the darkness of evil and separation from Him. And so Jesus' warning is just as much for people today to walk while you have the light so that you might become the sons of light. It's a a warning, a message that we need to take seriously as well. Those of us who are sons and daughters of light. Those who have already responded to the message of Jesus Christ and are walking in His light. That there is a limited time offer for those that are around us. And that warning needs to to build within us an urgency. An urgency to share that light. To communicate that light with those that are around us. As Leslie was talking about, as we look forward to uh, in, in October, where we have this chance to talk about hell, about the end of days, eternal destinies of people. I know for myself, I can get, I can get, well, I guess part of it is I get overwhelmed by the the horrendousness of that, the, 
the awfulness of hell that I try to put it out of my mind and, I, and as I do that, it then softens my urgency for sharing the good news to people that are around us. I get caught up in the day-to-day life, uh, the, the things that, that we do in life, the, the uh, making sure that, that you know, stuff is taken care of in the house, all of the mundane things of, of, of our days, that, that I'm, I'm doing the things that I need to for work and all the rest of it, that, that my family and I, we have enough time to, to, to have fun together and do stuff together, uh, that, that, that we look for opportunities to, uh, to take care of ourselves, to, uh, to nurture who we are and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Not that any of those things are bad, then we shouldn't do those, but but our urgency in recognizing that the time is short. That an eternal separation from God, full of suffering and destruction, awaits all those who refuse to come to the light. We need to take heed of Jesus' warnings. That we would carry that light into as many dark places as possible. I don't know where God is calling you to carry your light. Probably not going to be the same as the places where I'm going to, where I am called to carry the light. Lord knows there are plenty of dark places here within our community. Each one of us has within our sphere of influence individuals and settings where we would be able to take a light where very few lights ever shine. Are we allowing the Spirit to work in our lives and to, to move us to speak and to, to shine that light in a way where those that we come in contact with would know the truth, would be given that opportunity. Absolutely, it is the Holy Spirit that is going to draw them to Jesus and bring them to salvation. But He chooses to use us. And we need to be faithful in carrying out that call. What are the places in your life where you have opportunity to shine that light? It's not unreasonable to think here, even in this small gathering of, of, of friends and family here, that there are some who God has called to take that light into far away places beyond just the confines of our little community to the to the farthest reaches of this world to the darkest places in this world are you open to the holy spirit leading you into that kind of a role Maybe it's through your support, your financial support and prayer support of those that go. Maybe it's in you training up young people 
and investing in their lives so that they can then carry that message to those places. Maybe you yourself, God is putting His finger on and saying, I have a place for you to shine your light. Are you ready? Are you willing to go wherever it is that the the Spirit would take you? Oh, family, don't delay. The days are short. The shelf life of the light is growing shorter and shorter every day. And we can't, we don't dare lose the urgency of being ambassadors of that light in this world. Because people's eternal destiny depends on it. Let's pray. Thank You, thank You, thank You, Lord that You have rescued me. Thank You that You have spoken to so many who are here who have responded to Your drawing them. And they have walked in the light and they are being transformed by the light so that they are now the sons and daughters of light. And we give You praise. We know that is all because of the work that You have done on our behalf. And the work that You have done within us to draw us into that place to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank You for choosing us. Lord, I pray for any that might be here this morning that have been putting their faith in in other things, their ability to be able to come to church, their ability to be able to put money in the bag, uh, the the ways that they've been able to do good things, helping out with work bees or or things like that. All of those activities that, that make them feel like they are earning points to get to heaven. Lord, would they understand that their only hope is the hour of which Jesus Christ described His death on their behalf. And by putting their faith in His sacrifice, do they have any hope of being with You in eternity? Lord, I pray for those that are here, Lord, that they would would respond to Your light. They would walk in Your light while the light is still here. That they wouldn't be putting that off. Lord, we pray for our children. That they wouldn't feel like they've got their whole lives ahead of them. There's lots of time to respond. God, would You grab a hold of their hearts today? Would You set them on fire in a way that that would set them off to a trajectory of, of having an impact on this world that would go beyond anything that we could ask or imagine? Lord, would we then be faithful to be ambassadors of that light in this world? 
to not lose that sense of urgency, recognizing that there is an end. And that end is coming faster than any of us might even realize. Lord, would we, would we be so focused on hearing Your Spirit, on walking in Your light, immersing ourselves in Your truth, so that everywhere we go, we would be bringers of light. And those that are around us would see that light and would respond to You and be saved. Lord, we pray for those that we love. We ask Your hand to be upon those right now. Shining Your light into their lives in such a way that that it is inescapable and that they would respond and turn to You. I am so grateful that it is not my job to save people. I know I am absolutely ill-equipped. But Lord, I am ready to be used by You in whatever setting, whatever circumstances, in whatever way. Let us as Your children Bring the light of Your love to many in our world. Thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen.